All right, folks, this is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. Yo, it's the Tornado Tony Benekow. And Psychic Tom Padgett, whose crystal ball was bright and shining last week. And the new <laughs> world heavyweight champion of the UFC, Stipe Miocic. Unbelievable. You know, um, backpedaling too. Backpedaling. Talking about it, but just to make a brief point before we formally get into it, a former guest of ours, Forrest Pets, um, when he started his fight career, he had to fight out of state quite a bit. And I asked him one time, "Would you rather fight at home?" And he said, "Not really, because sometimes the hometown crowd can work against you." Hmm. Absolutely. You have all your fans cheering you on, and I don't care at what level of fighting you're at, at the beginning levels or at the championship level, you're a human being, and you want to put on a show. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of this, what happened Saturday night, was that almost a desperation bum rush because things just weren't working. I mean, I know we'll, I'm jumping ahead of the gun there, but um, I think you guys would agree with me that um, sometimes fighting at home can be a boost, but you never know. It's not necessarily an advantage, and I don't think it was for Fabrizio Perdue Saturday. I can't get over the fact that uh, Stipe knocked him out as he was going backwards. That is uh, just clipped him a be- with the right hook, right a beautiful chin. straight right hand, nothing fancy, just basic boxing one on one. But that going backwards, yeah, that's the old Ray Robinson trick. You don't see that too much. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and, and you know, you know, it's kind of funny because a lot of people. On, again, on the under, on, underground, I'm spending too much time there, but a lot of these, these idiots were really knocking the appearance of Stipe's boxing coach. You yeah. know, they said he looked skinny and, you know, and all this stuff. But, well, you know, it still comes down to this. It's not a body-beautiful contest. <laughs> and sometimes you can't judge a book by its cover. Absolutely. Yeah, and for such a uh, lean-looking guy... Uh, that just displayed a lot of power that he could knock somebody out that violently as he was backpedaling across the cage. <laughs> like, literally trying to get out of the way, and he hits him with the with the killer shot. It's just unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in the cage. Uh, kind of reminded me, even though he wasn't really hurt at the time that he landed that shot, it kind of reminded me of um, when Czech Congo came back and knocked out Pat Barry. <laughs> After he was stunned, <clears throat> that was a pretty good one. I was surprised. A lot of people were surprised the ref let that one go. As long as he did. Um, we got some big fights coming up in Bellator as well. Uh, the UFC is um, having a lot of issues. And another fight they had to call off. Uh, Michael Bisping is now being called up to fight against uh, Luke Rockhold. So uh, it's going to be an interesting one. We also had uh, Phil Davis kind of um, violated King Mo a little bit the other night. <laughs> I don't know if you watched that fight, Tom. Yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was pretty bad. Phil, I mean, I don't know if he did enough to win. He won one round. I'd give him one round. But uh, the other two, I thought, went to um, King Mo. And I don't know how but it was. But it was not exactly a uh, scintillating barn burner. No, no. It was very technical the whole time. Um, wasn't very exciting. I really, I didn't watch it that closely to score it myself, but I just thought, well, did a better job than what they gave him credit for. 
could have been a draw. <laughs> but I don't think he lost that battle. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have argued no matter which way the decision went, really. But, yeah, Phil Davis uh, beat uh, Muhammad Lawal, and he's going to be going up now against um, the champ in the division. Can't think of his name off the top of my head, but um, they did a little eye-to-eye -eye in the ring, in the cage there, and it looked, looked pretty much like they're, they're good friends outside of the competition, so didn't get out of control. Anyway, uh, Saeed Awad also got a win over uh, Cyborg's old boyfriend, Evangelista Santos. Uh, knocked him out in the first round in that fight. Uh, really wasn't a whole lot of uh, fantastic stuff on the undercard. Uh, the UFC fights... Different you know, you, you know, Rich. Uh, normally, Bellator doesn't go uh, head to head with the UFC. This is kind of a new development. Yeah, same time and everything. It's kind of crazy. Same time preliminaries yeah. were on where, um, for the UFC. Um, I didn't even actually watch it the night of. I watched the preliminaries and then I shut it off, and I watched the bootleg fights the next day. Uh, I still have not seen uh, Ronaldo Souza versus Vitor Belfort, which was a TKO in the first round, although I did see on Twitter some people really knocking Belfort for having a shitty camp or you know, blaming him for coming in out of shape because it was like, what, 20, 22 seconds into the well, fight? Well, you know, going back to uh, Vitor's debut back in the 90s, he uh, initially had the name Vitor Gracie. Now, this is some real true family issues, but he uh, he he didn't he, he dropped his uh, birth name, mm -hmm. and and supposedly this guy's jujitsu was every bit as good as his uh, boxing skills. Because back then in those early UFCs, he had boxing hands. He was thinking about boxing in the Olympics for Brazil, huh. and uh, apparently his ground game. I don't know. I mean, I I just don't know what to say about it. I mean, it just seems like it's never really been anything near as to what. Uh, what the buildup was back then, because you'd think that he would have improved since his debut in 1997. But of course, I mean, granted, he was up against one of the world's best, but still. Yeah, and uh, you know, a guy that's known for his jujitsu, not not his striking. So that was kind of weird when I read that. I was like, "Whoa, 22 seconds into the fight, it's not good." Yeah, and then we have we had the preliminaries I watched were pretty boring. Uh, Matt Brown versus. Uh, well, I, and I I assume that you're going to give mind. a comment on the Sunday morning activity in your own inimitable style. <laughs> so I'll I'll shut up and let you handle that one. Cause I got to hear your I got to hear your take on that. Oh, the uh, the attack? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, what a nightmare trip for Matt Brown. Yeah. I mean, what an absolute right. nightmare. So, get, getting all, assaulted three to times Brazil. on the way to the cage. Getting, uh, having all that. So he was assaulted five times. Yeah. Counting, uh, well, four times outside of the cage. Unbelievable. Yeah, he gets in there against uh, Demian Maia, and I, I mean... I'm trying to get people at the house I'm staying at in Maine interested in MMA, and I'm like, oh, great, this fight's on. 
I'm like, yeah, this uh, this guy coming in now, he's just going to hold on to this dude the whole fight. Watch. <laughs> he's going to try to choke him out. That's all he's going to do, the whole fight. And then, uh, you know, I hope Matt Brown wins, I was saying, because you know, then it'll be a striking match. But, of course, didn't really develop Matt Brown's favor. And uh, Demian just clung to him the whole damn fight, got him in a couple body locks, and uh, finally gave him the rear naked choke, and, and that was it. And Matt had to go all the way down to fucking Brazil to get thrown around the cage and choked out. And then gets assaulted at his hotel room by a guy who he claims gave him 12 internal stitches or some bullshit that he used to train with. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable time. I mean, flip oh, starting, you know, you... Uh, I don't know, Tony, tough, if you caught that in, but there were 15,000, there were 15,000 people with this weigh-in. I mean, you want to talk about passion. So, wow. so Brown comes out and he's flipping off. Well, first he takes a selfie and then he flips off the crowd and then he stood on the scales and turned his back to the crowd. I'm surprised he didn't moon them after the, you know, <laughs> I would. I mean, you know, and, and you've got 15,000 of them, and what's the phrase? Ave Morie, I guess. Uh, in Portuguese, that means you're going to die. So they really, really, really were upset with him. <laughs> and on his way to the cage, he was uh, attacked uh, three times. And the third time he retaliated, uh, they, they grabbed his hoodie. And actually spun him around, so he went after someone in the crowd. I mean, this is this is like... I've never seen anything quite like it. Then gets dominated in the fight. Good submission defense, though. But I kind of thought he would be having his problems because Matt Brown's never really been like a one-punch KO guy. You know, he's much more of a grinder. And with Damian Maya, you need to stop him pretty quick when he gets his engine going. I mean, Damian Maya's a natural middleweight. He's very strong. So I kind of thought this would be a hellacious style match for Brown. And then the next day, films of um, when Brown's friend caught the trainer, Rich, did you catch that? Yes, yes. It's all on tape, the aftermath, where they, they get him in the chokehold. <laughs> it's funny. Now, now I, I didn't see Brown's interview. I've seen it. Uh, I, I've just been too busy to watch the interview, but uh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, as if being a fighter isn't hard enough. <laughs> you got to deal with all this other bullshit. Uh, well, I mean, it's something I wouldn't have done. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to aggravate the crowd anymore. And Stipe handled it really good when they asked him, what did you think of 45,000 people screaming, you're going to die? And he said, hey, you, you go to the States and go to a, uh, a football game. I mean, hey. What's it like in Philly, Tony? You go to an Eagles game, you better be sure to the Eagles. You know? That's right, baby. Yep. So, well, what, well, what kind of a hometown? What kind of a hometown would it be if you didn't cheer for your hometown team? And Steve just said the Brazilian fans are great. They're passionate. I love them, and uh, they wound up actually applauding him somewhat, even though they were in a state of shock <laughs> seeing the title change. But with that Brown, I guess he must have his own way of psyching himself up for a fight, but. I sure wouldn't have flipped the crowd off. I just don't understand that. But that's me. Well, you know, that's that's where it happens when you get that uh, little realization that, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe I got to change some things here. <laughs> maybe I better not come back to Brazil to fight, number one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe I need to work on my submissions and uh, my body lock uh, defense. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, Damian Maya is just that type of guy that if he can get control of you and if he can make it about his strength, it's over. And he might and, take and three you, rounds you, to do and, it. And you notice, Rich, another trend. A lot of these great Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys have really studied wrestling. Yeah. And they've they've just totally incorporated wrestling's control and takedowns. I mean, Damian Maia is a definite and, uh, title Matt, that, you know, that, that division just becoming stacked. Well, Matt had enough gas to, to make a fight of it. You know, he lasted, but it was just like that third round just sucked the life out of him, that final little body lock and it's just oh, like fuck I mean that, that thing I mean I don't know if you've, you've been in that <laughs> but if if, if you're with so, if you're rolling with someone that's really good at that it's just it's a night you're like it's like an octopus yeah it's like a python I mean it's just it, it's a nightmare and I mean Matt had I, I gave him credit he didn't panic but there's only so much you can do on the defense eventually you got to have something going back and he was just in no position couldn't stop the takedown he couldn't keep position. It, it just had to be a, a horrible, what was it, 14 and a half minutes. And uh, Nate, uh, too much testosterone. Marquardt uh, ended up uh, getting KO'd in the first round as well in his fight by Tiago Santos. Francisco Trinaldo got a unanimous decision win over Yancey Medeiros. John Lineker keeps winning. He got a win over Rob Font. Unanimous decision. Uh, Antonio Noguera, back in action, he was the third fight of the night, uh, took on Patrick Cummins. It's becoming, uh, you know, the guy they go to for an easy win sometimes. He's, uh, <laughs> eight seconds he lasted this time. Oof, big deal. The first oh. round. Uh, then we had a draw. Sergio Moraes versus Luan Chagas. A split draw. Renato Carnero beat Zubaira Tokhogov in the uh, first fight of the night by split decision. And, of course, big landmark fight of the night, Christian Justino, otherwise known as Cyborg, uh, beat Leslie Smith by TKO, took her uh, 121. You know, you have to credit Leslie Smith for wanting, for, for uh, protesting the stoppage. I mean, that's a lot of pride she had, a lot of courage she had. But uh, actually, she didn't seem like she was hurt that bad, but I don't think she could have done much. Justino is just such an overpowering fighter. I mean, she's all fucking muscle. I was looking at the weigh-in photos, and I'm sitting there going, did she put her head in the sauna to lose the last few pounds? <laughs> fucking well, bones popping out of her cheeks and stuff. Someone was calling her a roided monster, and... Uh, but, but I'll say this much: she she really did seem to have more controlled striking. You know, in the past she right. was just very wild, just coming in on sheer power. But uh, this time she reminded me of a young Mike Tyson because remember when Tyson was very young, under the control of Diamato, and then later on Jim Jacobs, he had good technique. Yeah. And then when yeah, those guys too. died, that was all of a sudden he's he's in the Golden Gloves. What happened? And um, I, I think she's really um, she's really worked on technique. So I kind of get the feeling that we're not going to see that Rousey fight with her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Ronda was watching that and said, I don't think so. Um, and then Shogun, Mauricio Hua, beat Corey Anderson by a split decision. No big surprise there. He's that type of uh, decision fighter. Doesn't have a lot of recent knockouts. Then Brian Barberina proved it's not a fluke when he beat uh, Northcutt. He took on Warley Alves there and beat him by unanimous decision. 
Yeah, I'm impressed with that guy. He's he's really he's. I mean, he, he just see, really seems to have great poise. And that's UFC 198 in the books. It's over. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, uh, Chris Weedman had to pull out of the uh, big matchup uh, against uh, Luke Rockhold. His rematch. That fight's off. So the UFC continues to suffer from uh, injuries, the injury bug. And uh, I think what you're going to see is a lot of people are going to say, all right, you know, like we got this Reebok deal in place, you know. They fuck with us all the time, so we're going to start yeah, fucking back uh, with them and, yeah, and saying, all right, I'm injured, but I'm not going to tell them until, like, it's too late to put another fight on the car. <laughs> you know, I, I hadn't thought of that, but I'm not, you, you don't hear me arguing with you. Uh, uh, one last thing about Stipe, he, um, uh, he he, uh, he's really the king around here. He decided he would take batting practice uh, with the. Oh, Indians. hit a home run! I read about that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, because Stipe uh, played uh, college baseball, and I think that was really his uh, the sport that he really wanted to um, uh, become a pro at. But you know, he I, I'm sure he was good, but just not great. And uh, so he. He was getting warmed up, then he hit a few, and it was the last, uh, the last pitch, and then over the fence. Then he walks across the street, and uh, uh, the Cavs are in the playoffs, and 20,000 people were cheering for him, and he's on a roll. And I don't think it's going to go to his head. It <laughs> seems like he's, he's so well-balanced, but that, that's the okay. danger sometimes. I heard but, he told the pitcher that if he didn't throw him a strike, he was going to knock him out. No. <laughs> yes, sir. Here it comes. You know, uh, thirty miles an hour. Just oh, speaking the, uh, of uh, punches in baseball, did you see the uh, right hand that got landed on the guy oh, the other day that oh, got him a beautiful, 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 beautiful. I've seen, I've seen far worse punches in the cage and even in the ring. Just, just yeah, perfect. that was awesome. I mean, he didn't telegraph it. <laughs> it was aimed straight. Right on the money, cut his body into it. Batista's got quite a chin. Yeah, yeah. So all all these uh, athletes, you know, in different sports, training in MMA and boxing, you know, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah doing it for dexterity point. or whatever. They're not really intending to fight, but then hey, you know, sometimes you got to fight, especially in hockey and baseball. This shit happens. So pretty pretty cool to see. Yeah, I, I don't think technique. Batista was ready for anything like that. No. He, he took it like a champ, though. Kept coming. Yeah. Give him, give well, him the, you know, that. those guys are athletes, and they're in good shape. And what's the old cliche? The better shape you're in, the more of a beating you can take. Huh. Uh, big matchup this weekend in MMA. Just going to go over a couple of the fights real quick. Is uh, just Bellator is really the only thing that's got anything going on. Uh, that's going to be from Boise, Idaho. Uh, Rafael Carvalho in the main event, 12-1, and fighting Melvin Manhoff, who's been around, um, kickboxing, MMA, you know, you name it. He's uh, 30, 30 wins, 12 losses, and one draw, and this is a big chance for him. Uh, Pat Curran also on the card against Georgie Karakanian. Curran is 21-7, and Karakanian is 24-5-1. And we got Dan Charles at 10 and 3 fighting Augusto Sakai, who's 9 and 0. Dave Jansen, 20 and 3, fighting Marcin Held, who's 21 and 4. Joey the Mexicutioner Beltran, 17 and 12, <laughs> facing Chase Gormley, 12 and 5. He's the Mexicutioner. It's one of my favorite nicknames. 
Marluz Kunin, a female fight, also on the card. Rare in the Bellator ranks, but she's uh, 23 and 6. Marluz, she's facing Alex Alexis Dufresne, who is 5 and 2. And we'll go over the whole thing. We'll talk about that next week. That'll be the big MMA card to discuss. Um, Phil Davis versus King Mo. That was the other night. Same night as uh, the UFC for for once, but uh, really there wasn't that great. Uh, wasn't too much for great fights on this one. Uh, like I said, uh, the main event was uh, kind of a controversial decision. We also had uh, some other fights there. Liam McGeary is the light heavyweight champ. That's gonna face Phil. Oh, uh, Rich, have you heard why they cut Will Brooks loose? Will Brooks? They they said they didn't want to be in the Will Brooks business anymore. Yeah, they're getting out of the Will Brooks business. That's what they said, literally. Well, there has to be something more to that. It was at the end of his contract, basically, and uh, that's all she wrote. You know, he didn't want to renew, so obviously he's going to try to make a deal with um, with uh, UFC, even though there's not been any kind of uh, announcement yet. Who knows? He's going to well, pull yeah. uh, Conor McGregor and retire. But uh, uh, Ray Wood, a guy from up here in um, Maine from the New England fight circuit that I'm going to get in, involved in. Uh, he had a tough fight against Adam Piccolotti, who uh, was actually supposed to be fighting um, Jordan Parsons, who they've set up a scholarship fund for now for a kid to go to wrestling camp. But ask me, it's a little bit too little for that guy. Uh, Boy, that, that, that Piccolotti that. Is, is very, very smooth. But, uh, very Ray got smooth. choked oh. out. Rear naked choke, first round. Tough fight there. Um, oh, you know, and, and, and then just as a little um, a little juvenile humor from the underground, uh, there was a guy on the undercard, Mark Dickman, <laughs> and so, someone says, no one wants to put Mark Dickman in a rear naked choke, and they said, Ray Wood would. And I said, oh, <laughs> you know, okay, guys, enough. <laughs> you know? Oh, yes, uh, the average age on the underground, i got to be the only guy over 40. <laughs> I'm going to need your psychic guidance, I think. Uh, you hear the uh, last few days there was a story about uh, a meteor that uh, came over uh, New Hampshire and Maine, right? Ah. Care about that? Did you see that on the news no. at all, meteor? No. Like, big flash of light and everything like that. And um, one guy, one expert said, uh, you know, judging by all the video that they have of it, because they saw it from Canada, New Hampshire, and Maine that uh, it was probably as big as a car when it got into the atmosphere. Mm, maybe so, some UFO activity here, huh? So it just so happens that uh, there's a museum in the, the town that uh, I go to see my girlfriend in, from Maine, Bethel, Maine. The museum is offering a $20,000 reward for a one kilogram piece of this meteor. <laughs> so I want to find it, because it's right near where... It's also, the impact zone is supposed to be right near where uh, Rangeley Lake is, which is beautiful. I did my uh, first set of push-ups there for the challenge that I'm doing. And uh, mm. it's supposed to be 30 miles from there is the rough estimate. But 
Well, here's here's my, psychic, here's my psychic advice, okay? I want you to get the biggest map of the area you can, <laughs> and then uh, you get the pendulum out, okay? The old dowsing trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you hold the pendulum, and, uh, you know, you can experiment with it to see what yes is and what no is, and because uh, everyone's a little different. It's kind of, a, kind of a weird thing, but I used to use it for lost objects. When people would call the psychic line and wonder where their keys were. <laughs> I, 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 this is awful. I'd have them make a diagram of the house, and then I'd hold this. And then I'd make the diagram, too. They, they'd help me with the drawing, and then I'd hold this uh, pendulum. And actually, sometimes there was something to it. I, you know, you see those old films of the guys with the, the dowsing rods looking for water. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, what I'd suggest, get that thing moving. And apparently the CIA, I've heard, has actually used that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So maybe, um, you, yeah, you, you can get these, these kits, or at, you could actually just get a string and put some kind of object on the end of the string, and then you just hold it and start asking questions and ask something obvious, and then it'll start, like, is the sky blue? And then it'll start moving Usually it goes like uh, 12 to 6, and that's yes. And then say, if is the sky green? And don't move your hand. And it's kind of freakish because it'll stop and then start going from 9 to 3. That's strange. So um, just saying, might be, it might be, your, your, might be a help. Now I'm getting scared. No, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, first couple of times I tried it, I was, geez, I mean, because it just moved. I had, and, you know, some people say, why, well, are you moving your hand? No, I'm not moving my hand. Look at it. Right. And the thing just starts moving like it has a mind of its own. Well, I'm thinking, right, the, the last time there was a meteor that was even sighted in Maine was 1978. <clears throat> and, uh... So if this thing was really as big as a car, and they're gonna pay twenty grand for a one kilogram piece, what are they gonna pay for a car-sized piece? You know? <laughs> if I find that shit, uh, and there's nothing uh, up there. Who, That's the cool who, thing about Northern Maine. There's there's not a goddamn thing up there except woods. Well, who who is paying for it? Uh, a museum, uh, a, oh, okay. a, a meteor museum, and it just so happens it's right in the town that my girlfriend lives. Meteor museum, unbelievable. It's like a science museum, but I mean that's that's the town that it's based in. I was like, wow, that's that's can't be a coincidence. I need this money too. So. <laughs> so. Okay, here a little. If, uh, if I don't find it, I could write an article stuff. about it. That's what I'm thinking. You know, I'll go up and ask a bunch mm -hmm. of questions, see if they can help me out with the guidance, and then just drive up there with my friends and my girlfriend. Well, that's, we that's what it. I would I would tell you. Get the biggest topographical map you can get. And uh, just start moving that pendulum around, and that'll give you your general idea. All right. Wow, I'll have to remember that. All right, so we got uh, boxing to talk about as well. Um, we got. What's up uh, with Canelo? That's what I want to say. Oh, yeah, I don't know what's going on wow. with that. Uh, everybody was all excited. Canelo uh, fighting GGG, and uh, now all of a sudden. Psh, in doubt because uh, Canelo gave up a title now. I don't know what the hell is going on. But uh, Tony's favorite fighter is fighting in uh, Victoria, Australia tomorrow night. No, Saturday night at Cruiserweight. Fighting for the vacant WBA Oceania Cruiserweight title. 
a very important title. Yeah, and his name is Brad Pitt. Nice. <laughs> That's the one thing. You know what the first rule of Fight Club is? Yeah. You don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> it's spelled just like him, too. P I T T. Uh, she's fighting Jorge Rodriguez Oliveira, who is 27 and 11. And then, you know, that big Oceania Cruiserweight title. You'd be proud of that one. In the co main event, uh, there's nothing really to write home about. It's the only fight on the card that's worth even talking about. Uh, we also got a fight going on over in Belgium at Cruiserweight for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Cruiserweight title. A little more prestigious. Between uh, Riyad Murphy, 18-0 at Cruiserweight, and Williams Okando, who's 16-3. Guess who else is fighting this weekend in Brazil, too, Tony? This guy's really your favorite no. fighter. Even though he's only 4-3, and three, I bet he's going to be your new favorite fighter. Okay. Elvis Presley. No shit. <laughs> no shit. I love him. Fighting yeah. at the Combat Club in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Elvis Presley, four and three at Super Welterweight, fighting Anderson Denner, who's three and zero. Elvis Presley. That's funny. I'm not even making it up. <laughs> Elvis. Elvis has left the building. They'll say when he gets knocked out. <laughs> All right, what else we got? I know we got uh, Arislandi Alara has a big fight this weekend, uh, Saturday night. It's probably going to be the last one on the list. But uh, Joseph Parker down there in New Zealand, undefeated heavyweight at 18 and 0, he's got a new opponent, Carlos Takam, who is 33 2 and 1. So. Uh, Pretty, pretty good experience for him to be in there against. The uh, co-main event there is Jordan Ty, 7-1, fighting Joe Blackborn, who's 10-0-1 at super middleweight. And that's for the New Zealand National Boxing Federation super middleweight title. And uh, another light heavyweight matchup there between Joseph Quadjo, Quadjo who is 23-10 at light heavyweight, fighting Nicholas Charalampos, who is 11-0. And uh, even Moscow, Russia. Uh, speaking of, uh, we are trying to find Povetkin versus Wilder last week. Yeah. We couldn't find it because it's not happening now. <laughs> and it wasn't even last week. It's supposed to be this weekend. It's not happening. Um, Meldonium. It's the culprit, I guess. They're, they're really cracking down on this Meldonium shit. Uh, I bet you. Yeah. Okay. So, so, in other words, it's not just postponed. It's completely off. Yeah. I heard Wilder. Wilder says yeah. no, no, not doing it. This guy sucks. He's doing meldonium. What is what is meldonium, Tom? Do you know? Uh, offhand, no. What? I have to. I was expecting you to be like, well, let me break it down. It's been a long time since I've been studying some of that stuff, but I'll have to delve into it. I don't know if it's an anabolic. Or just, uh, I mean, they're cracking down on some supplements. Like, I couldn't believe Machida was, was uh, the DHEA is, is banned. I mean, that's just, like I said, on a scale of 1 to 10, I mean, I, I can't understand that. I mean, I, I know, I, I understand steroids and maybe growth hormone, but some of these, some of these other supplements. So I don't know what this one is, if it's a true anabolic. It doesn't sound uh, 
daunting, does it? Meldonium, you know, it sounds like uh, a country, doesn't it? <laughs> well, a Meldonium uh, the other day. <laughs> it things like Anavar and uh, you know, there's some other ones, Sustone and everything that don't sound too bad either, but uh, they are. Anyway, um, so that fights off, and um, Wilder, I'm sure, won't have any trouble finding anybody else to step in. Um, I don't know if uh, he'll get uh, his buddy, our buddy, though. Uh, what's his name? Shannon Briggs. Let's go, champ. Let's go. I don't know if we'll, we'll get him to sign up. But he's pretty much gone right off the radar. He's just He wanted Klitschko so bad, you know. He, he started looking around at all these other tough guys, and he's like, well, I, I really don't want to fight those guys. Ask me if he wants to fight King Kong Ortiz. That'll shut him up real quick. Yeah. He's been, you know, uh, though, yeah, yeah, you do have everybody. to wonder the mindset of these guys that think they can dope and get away with it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they feel that they've hired some expert that can mask the test, but the only thing I can say to anyone, there's one way to pass the test, and that's don't use. That way you know that you're going to pass the test. And don't eat but, the steaks, right? Don't eat the steaks in Russia. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of worried. Well, I, I, Brazil doesn't have a reputation for doing that. Yeah. I was kind of concerned about well, Russia, you know, the Russian and American thing is it's a little bit more than Rocky Four now. It's it's like for real. <laughs> it's, it's totally for real. Uh, you know, and the Olympics were always very competitive with that type of shit, which is where doping came about, really. I mean, the Russians versus the Americans. It was the Cold War and the Olympics for a little while with all that shit. But uh, we got hopefully a more uh, <laughs> more legit match going on in Moscow, Russia, Saturday, uh, and it's Denis Lebedev at cruiserweight, twenty-eight and two, fighting Victor Emilio Ramirez, tw twenty-two two and one. Two titles on the line: IBF and WBA Super World Cruiserweight title. There, IBF World Cruiserweight title. And uh, the co-main event is for the Vic IBO World Light Heavyweight title. Umar Salamov, 15-0, fighting Bob Adjusafe, who is 16-2. And, and a couple of light heavyweights who are undefeated, fighting for, the, fighting for the interim WBA World Light Heavyweight title. 13-0, Felix Valera and uh, Dimitri Bival, who is 6-0, light heavyweight. <coughs> And if that's not enough titles at a Russian fight, we also have the WBA Continental Super Middleweight title on the line between Dilmurod Setibaldiev, who is 10-1, uh, and, and Claudio Ariel Abelos, who's got 30 wins, 15 losses, and 3 draws. A couple other uh, big names on here, too, for Russia, I guess, but... Uh, Nobody recognized. Uh, and speaking of the guys that you're probably not going to see Shannon Briggs uh, eat their lunch, uh, <laughs> David Hay is also <laughs> fighting in London. 27-2, uh, uh, second fight or third fight maybe of his comeback. He's taking on a guy who's undefeated, 29-0 here. Arnold Jurjog. Probably butchering the crap out of that. Last name spelled. Get this, Tony. Uh, Tom, let's we'll see if you can pr pronounce this one. G-J-E-R-G-J-A-J. -J -J -A -J. Wow. <laughs> wow. 29 yeah. 
Don't ask me how you pronounce his name, but that's his record. Um, 20, uh, 29-0? Well, I guess we have to say who, who's he been fighting. Right. Yep. Oh, Shannon Briggs is on the card. <laughs> he is fighting uh, Jacob <laughs> Gospic, who is 17-14. and 14. Let's go, champ. <laughs> uh, he is 59-6-1, so he's going for a 60th win on this one. Uh, but, yeah, that would be interesting if, uh, if he challenges David to a fight after this one. I'd, I'd like to see that. Uh, the co-main event there in London is Joe Mullinder at middleweight. He's 9-1, fighting Lee Markham, 15-3-1. That's for the only title on the line on the night. It's for the BBB of C, English middleweight title. Pretty interesting. Let's see what else we got going on. I think we got another fight in uh, the UK. Could be the mismatch of the week. We got Sam O'Mason. He's 12 and 1 at super lightweight. He's in the main event against Mark McCray, who is 635 and 1. Good luck, son. Wow. You know, I, I, just every time I hear something like that, you gotta, I just keep asking myself, what is the guy thinking? And then you've got uh, the downtown Las Vegas Event Center doing a, a CBS boxing series. I don't know if this one's going to be on CBS, but uh, Arif Magomedov, 17-0 at middleweight, fighting Andrew Hernandez, who's 11-4-1 for the vacant WBC USNBC middleweight title. And then uh, vacant WBA, NABA, USA, super welterweight title on the line between John Vera, 13-0, and Joey Ruelas, who's 10-1-1. Featherweights won Antonio Lopez, also on the card. He's 10-1, fighting Jaron Cochran, who's 11-0-1. And And, uh, as I said, Eris Lundilara fighting at my favorite venue, the Cosmopolitan. Saturday night, he's fighting uh, Vane's Matarosian, who's 36-2-1. And, and, uh, is that a rematch? I don't know. Uh, I think it is. I have a feeling, I think they fought um, to either a draw or a close, to, or it might have been a technical draw, um, where Matarosian was ahead early, then Laura was coming on, and I think they butted heads. Yeah. Um, I think they fought to a technical draw, um, maybe like two years ago. I'll check it out. I'm on it. All right. Uh, yep. They fought to a technical draw. Look at Rain Man go. Back in... Uh, let's see, Tom. Come on, that's good, ain't it? 2012. Uh, November 10th. Oh, shit. So that's about three and a half years ago. I was a little bit off on that. That's all right. You're forgiven. <laughs> Eris Landi, his last loss was to Canelo Alvarez. For that, it was former guest of ours, Paul Williams. So, uh, he's a hell of a fighter. He's a very technical fighter. Uh, And he had the draw to uh, Vane, so he's going to try to avenge that. Uh, Probably not going after Saul again anytime soon. (laughs) Uh, 22 2 2, though. Is his record and uh, comes in against uh, Vings, who's 36 2 and 1. And let's uh, just check Vings out real quick here. Check out his record. 
And we'll tell you who he lost to. He's only got the one draw. His two losses, uh, Jamel Charlo, who's also on this card, lost to him uh, last year, last March. And then uh, Demetrius Andre, Andrade, however you want to pronounce it. When he was 19-0, uh, and 0, lost a split decision back in 2013. Those are his two losses. So that should be a pretty decent fight right there. And we got uh, both Charlo brothers. If you can't, uh, if you can't just deal with one Charlo brother, you gotta have them both. We got Jamal. Now here, here's, and a, here's Jamal. a contest I want to bring up. What is what are the toughest names for twin brothers? You have the Charlos, Jermel and Jamal. Or the Sims, Travis and Tardis. <laughs> That's a good one. We've talked to both of those guys. Uh, I don't think we've got the Char yeah. Charlos on yet. But uh, Jamel is 27-0. Jamal is 23-0. So that makes it even worse. So they're both undefeated. They're both super welterweights. Uh, one here is fighting for the IBF super welterweight title. The other one's fighting for the WBC <laughs> super welterweight title. Um, I guess there's going to be no total unification then. I guess not. Uh, Jamal is fighting Austin Trout, who is 30-2. and two. Jamal is 23-0. and 0. Uh, Jamal is 27-0. and 0. He's uh, fighting John Jackson, who's 20-2. and two. Also on the card, uh, Beboot Shumanoff, um, who has developed his game quite a bit since uh, fighting Bernard. He is uh, 16 and 2 at cruiserweight. He's fighting Junior Anthony Wright, who's 15 1 and 1. And if that's enough big names on this card, we've also got BJ Flores coming in at 31 2 and 1 at cruiserweight, fighting Roberto Santos, who's 12 and 3. I'll tell you, I heard um, and I get and I got this because you know being Philadelphia guy, um, the original opponent for Baby Chunov was my friend Garrett Wilson. Uh -huh. And and I know this because as of until about maybe four days ago, maybe like literally as of Monday, it was, hey guys, I'm fighting Baby Shumanoff. You know, this weekend I'm looking forward to a great fight. And then um, Garrett's trainer, Rodney Rice, you know, posted a picture of both fighters together and he, um, you know, said something like, it's going to be a war and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, and I said, oh, it's, it's going to be fun. I said, it's going to be trouble for Shumanov, you know. And, you know, Garrett, we were all joking and everything. And um, I thought that was a good style-wise matchup for, you know, um, for Garrett Wilson. And Garrett posted yesterday, maybe, that they broke the contract. No, no, Tuesday, three days before the fight. No, no, yesterday, three days before the fight. They, they broke the contract. And Shumanov picked somebody else. Really looking he, for he, tactical he, advantage, I he guess. Didn't, he refused to sign the contract. Crazy. Well, uh, big boxing match. Talking about more than anything now is uh, the one I really am not giving a snowball's chance in hell of happening. But um, uh, they did have a meeting, Dana White and uh, Conor McGregor. That was that was on TMZ the other day. So they, they might be working together again. We don't know. Uh, but Floyd is really pushing this. Floyd really wants this fight. He wants a hundred million bucks out of it, and uh, 
Connor, for his part, is out there pretending like he's a boxer. Now, all of a sudden. Uh, post a bunch of pictures of boxing boots on uh, Twitter the other day. And then <laughs> has the nerve to uh, put out a video of him uh, boxing for five seconds. <laughs> some yeah, okay, uh, yeah, now, now, what is Connor's uh, boxing record in professional boxing? Uh, oh, and, and never done it. <laughs> okay, yeah. now, uh, again, this is a very stupid question, but is there any, uh, I, I mean, you'd have to think that the athletic commission, the state athletic commission, would have something to say about a suitable matchup. Yeah. W wouldn't they? Uh, uh, it's going to be done in Abu Dhabi. You know, it's not going to be in the United States. Floyd actually has said that he's uh, he's gotten offers from other countries to do it, so... I would not be. Surprised. I'm surprised, you know, and, and maybe only that if the fight was in Abu Dhabi would be the only way that it would happen, <laughs> because honestly, I cannot see Floyd, you know, leaving the confines of his home away from home, Las Vegas. Right. Unless they said there's no way the fight's going to happen, and it's going to be in Abu Dhabi, and you get your hundred million, and you still make all the rules. But I, I just don't understand where the market would be to watch it. Of course, maybe I don't think like other people. Uh, for the life of me, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I just don't Tom, get here's, it. Here's where, the market, here's where the market would be. The market would be, there would be, there would be two markets for this. Market number one would be the Floyd Loyalist. The Floyd Loyalist would watch it because it's Floyd and he's coming out of retirement. And you don't know if he, you didn't know if he was ever going to do it again. And now you're getting another chance to see a Floyd fight. So you got the Floyd loyalists. There's one group. Group number two is, and I would call them the people that, um, the boxing loyalists. So you'd want the boxing loyalists here that maybe would order this fight to watch. Uh, and like I said, say it's a, it a flat-out boxing match. Now, you know as well as I do, in a boxing match, I don't think there's any way that McGregor can win. So Not now you get the people I mean, that are yeah, mine, too, mine as well. So now you get the boxing loyalists. Now let's say you throw me in this equation. The boxing loyalists that want to go out there and we want to watch this to see the number one boxer dominate the number one pound-for-pound pound, or number one pound-for-pound pound MMA fighter, UFC fighter, and then we say, told you, you bring your guys into our sports, they're going to get annihilated. So you'd have the well, boxing loyalists. everyone knows that That's in the first Right, but I think a lot of them would watch it anyway just to see it, just to, just for, like, to prove a point. But then I think your biggest group would be the MMA loyalists, the UFC loyalists, that would order this fight to thinking that their guy would be the guy that beats Mayweather and proves a UFC fighter can do this. I think that would be your biggest market right there, that the... The UFC, the MMA loyalists, would order this to show our sport is basically, you know, better than your sport. You know, for lack of a better I just, I, I just, maybe I just have my foot in both of them so much uh, that I, I see a, a complete differential. Uh, I, I just don't think it would be any kind of competition. And I think that most true fans want to see... I mean, a fight's never 50-50 almost. I mean, sometimes there's close matchups. But you always want the other guy, the underdog, to have some chance. Right. I think a lot of your market in this would be um, the MMA loyalists that would be buying it 
under the hope that McGregor wins. I think that would be your biggest audience right there. I think you're going to get your Floyd loyalists that are going to order because it's Floyd. So that would be maybe um, you know, a couple, couple, couple thousand buys, a couple, maybe a hundred thousand buys. But your MMA loyalists, your, your guys that order every single UFC 194, 195, 196, they order every one of them because it's the biggest one ever, mm-hmm. just like WrestleMania. You know, they order every one of them, and then now they're getting a chance to maybe conquer a new ground. I think that's going to be, and I think a lot of them, like that kid that I work with, Houston, they just, well, McGregor has great boxing skills. I said, yeah, maybe for the MMA or for UFC. That doesn't mean he can compete with an elite boxer. That doesn't even mean he can elite, compete with somebody in the top 20 in boxing. Right. But he can't do any of them capoeira punches. McGregor's boxing skills are underrated. <laughs> I said, put him in there with a boxer, and you'll see how, you know, how shocked you really are. Yeah. So I think that is, um, you're, you're going to get people like that that have that. Just, the spectacle. Um, it's a freak show fight, as Dana White would call it. And uh, I think I do think that a lot of people would get interested in it. And and if anybody can sell it, those two can sell it. But I just like how Floyd is the one that hatched this because he is he is actually saying now this is the only fight he's going to come out of retirement for. He's gone on record to say that. So this fight is going to happen according to him. You know, if he has his way, this fight will happen because he is the upside, as he always says, and. He's going to win if it's boxing, you know. Nobody's saying it's going to be MMA. I mean, Floyd's not getting uh, those little gloves on and going into a cage anytime soon. This is going to be in a ring, and Connor is the type of guy that that's why he lost when he went and bumped up to fight Nate Diaz because he thought he could do everything, and he thinks he can do this, and he's going to go in there and get his ass kicked no matter what. But, um, you know, sometimes people rise to the challenge it would be interesting to see him you know put that much effort in, into it and completely reinvent himself and go in there and give floyd a match i mean but some people think that's start possible. off with floyd mayweather no, no, i'm what am i missing i have god is the world gone crazy but he makes uh, people <laughs> believe shit like that you know that's mystic mac you know he can do it they believe in their little leprechaun over there. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it, it, things like this make me lose all faith in humanity. I mean, I, I just, you know, it, it's just like after, uh, you know, uh, there were some opinions expressed on one of these forums about how the UFC was upset that Steve A won because they'd rather have uh, Kane the champ because that brings in the Mexican uh, fans. Or they'd rather have Verdum the champ because the whole country of Brazil's behind him. And then they mentioned a few other people, but they said, Steve, he's just a firefighter and an EMT. What kind of, and he doesn't talk trash. What kind of, how are they going to market him? And I'm thinking, you know, what the hell's wrong with that? Yeah, right. I mean, everything's upside hey, down. Here's a guy that's that just not controversial lies, enough for our he's show. He's going to continue his job, even though he's a heavyweight champ. That's unheard of. Um, that's that's uh, not nearly controversial enough for our show, Tom. We're going to have to do better. I know, that. I know. I'm just ranting, but I mean, I'm just hearing this. We're, we're starting off we're with Floyd Mayweather. To, I mean, uh, I, we crazy? We're going to have to go to the Tyson Fury story because. Uh, oh, that, yeah, that's a good one, too. Well, that's, that's a little uh, more transition here. Uh, Tyson Fury is uh, no stranger to saying bold things, <laughs> pissing people off. Yep. 
Now, they're actually calling for him to be banned for boxing for his speech. He says uh, in an interview, this is exact quotes, do not call us or write us letters, folks. This is not our language. Uh, Tyson Fury says, I think it'll be perfectly normal in the next 10 years to have sexual relationships with your animals at home. You know, your pets, your cats, your dogs, (laughs) and all that. So that will be legal. Uh, in a separate interview, he said that uh, Vladimir Klitschko, whom he's going to have his rematch with on July 9th, uh, he says Vladimir is a bisexual. Vladimir swings both ways. <laughs> For those that don't know that, he says, I can confirm it now. Uh, How so, can he confirm it? Uh-huh. He didn't elaborate okay. on that, but... Uh, Talking about uh, women, Jews, and gays as well. He says women are even taking overnight bags out with them, so they are going out just to get laid. They are taking their overnight bags because they know they're going to pull somebody out and get at it that night. Filth, pure filth. (laughs) Uh, Those who disagree with him, he said, have been brainwashed by all the Zionist Jewish people who own all the banks, all the papers, and all the TV stations. Wild, wild stuff. Okay. <laughs> never, never a dull moment with Tyson Fury. Never a dull moment. Yeah, wow. crazy. Uh, we already talked about uh, Povetkin being out of the fight, uh, doing that Meldonium shit. <clears throat> I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I did want to mention, though, um, something I said to Tom last week. We, we talked a little bit about the Fertitas buying out uh, another casino. Uh, which is odd, considering that Dana White just came out and said something about them wanting to buy an NFL team. And uh, <laughs> I was just finishing last week's show by explaining maybe they want to retire from the casino business. And it just goes to, you know, just uh, pure luck for my part, I think, that... Uh, it says in the NFL rules that you cannot be involved in casinos if you want to buy an NFL team and own an NFL team. So who knows? Maybe they will, you know, completely back out of the business after they, you know, put the pedal to the metal here, get every acquisition they can get, and then put it in another person's name and walk away. <laughs> who knows? But, uh, yeah, they, and they want their own NFL team. And they want to bring it to Vegas. So we're talking like Oakland Raiders or some team on the fringe that has a bad situation with their fans or their stadium that uh, needs improvement. They want to take that to Vegas. Uh, And like I said, with the venue uh, parameters there with uh, the Palms, I mean, they could actually have UFC fights at the Palms now at one of their own casinos, uh, which they couldn't really do before. They didn't really have a, a venue. They had Red Rock, but that was more like a concert venue. That's not really a UFC fight venue. <clears throat> so it's going to be interesting to see if uh, that comes to fruition and how long it takes them to um, make that plan a reality. And I did notice that. It's kind of weird, you know, for the betting capital of the world not to have their own football team. It is kind of weird. You know, Arena League only goes so far <laughs> for me. I'm not going to go to uh, an Arena League game in Vegas, even if it is in Vegas. But an NFL game, yeah. You'd think there would be a lot a lot of fans there, a lot of popularity for that. 
they're working on it apparently so that's uh, that probably also feeds into the rumors about them selling the UFC which is all over Twitter now that's a big trending topic talking about selling the UFC actually it's to the point where uh, Joe Rogan has come out and said uh, he's gone he's gonna he's gonna be gone if the Fatita sell well, that that would that would be weird because he came along. Uh, UFC 13, I believe, was his first one, and he was backstage. He had hair then, <laughs> and he was backstage Sorry, interviewing a like very drunk Mark Coleman. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that's pretty much all for me. Unless you guys got anything to add? Uh, we got no well, guests tonight. But, you know, one thing I did want to mention today. Um, I got to go there last week, but nobody was there, so I changed my lunch today, and I. Took another walk down to uh, my old boxing gym in South Philly. Um, and before we got on the air tonight, um, I was doing that little skit. Um, you know, everybody always thinks when they see me, I'm a South Philly guy. Now, one thing I was saying, in Philadelphia, because Philadelphia, and you guys all know about the Philadelphia gym wars and everything, in a lot of cities, you're always going to see, like, different, and I don't want to call it turfs, but, like, you know, different sections that you identify with. You know, in New York, you have Brooklyn. You know, you have Man- Manhattan, Long Island. Obviously, there's so many of the boroughs that I, I'm not even mentioning. You know, in a lot of your cities, you'll have, okay, you know, South Central L.A. and this part of L.A. and whatever. You know, obviously, I don't know these cities very well. Um, but in Philadelphia, like, your main sections of Philadelphia, you, you know, you're going to have... You know, you're North Philly, which is, you know, about where the Blue Horizon used to be. And that's uh, where Frazier's gym was and all that. Temple University's in North Philly. Then you have, you know, your South Philly area. Uh, that's where all the stadiums are. And a lot of, you know, a, lot, a number of Italian sections down there. You have, you know, your Kensington. They have a lot of gyms in the Kensington area. Um, you know, West Philly, they have a number of boxing gyms that, you know, produce some really good fighters. Southwest Philly. So you were always identified by, you know, where not where you lived, but where you trained out of. You know, if you were a guy that trained at the Front Street Gym, you were a Kensington fighter. If you were a guy that trained at maybe Augie's or where I trained, Marion Anderson, you were a South Philly fighter. If you trained at, um, oh shit, now I'm forgetting it, but Frazier's Gym, for example, you're a North Philly fighter. So you'd go to fight sometimes, and it'd be two guys from Philadelphia, but they were getting announced where they trained out of. You know, you had, you know, Joe Joe Johnson out of North Philly, and you had Sammy Pasquez out of South Philly, or so it's out of Southwest Philly. They got announced from where your your gym was. So I was always seen as a South Philly guy. And a lot of people, you know, being Italian, and I come off as real Italian. I mean, you both met me. And I'm a guy you would see, literally, you could see me on the corner of South Philadelphia, you know? <laughs> so I did a skit a few weeks ago when I was at Sinatra night because somebody asked me, like, oh, yeah, Philadelphia. I said, well, really? No. I said, I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, like, literally a mile from the city limits is where I grew up. Um, you know, but I was always seen as a South Philly guy. And they're like, oh, well, we can see that. You know, we always thought you were South Philly. I'm like, well, no. And the first time I ever really started going to South Philly is when I started training in South Philly. So I became a South Philly fighter. So I was at this thing a few months ago, and I was talking to people. And um, I said, yeah, South Philly, South Philly. I'm like, oh, no, I'm really not. And I'm like, and we were talking about, like, doing skits. And I said, you know, I'm better at improv you know. And they're like, well, do us an improv. And I'm like, 
you know, people see me all the time. They're like, oh, we got Tony here from South Philly. We got Tony from South Philly. South Philly, Tony, what's up? Tony from South Philly. I ain't no South Philly guy. I mean, people, people want to think I'm from South Philly. Is that what brings the gimmick in? Is that what brings the money in? You want to bring the money in? You bring Tony to South Philly. Tony put, put, Tony put, you know, the little glove on, say, Tony the Tornado, South Philadelphia. <laughs> I ain't no South Philadelphia. I'm actually outside of Glenside. Well, where's Glenside? Is that even in Philadelphia? No, it's not. <laughs> but you want to say South Philadelphia? I'll go with you, South Philadelphia, because what sounds cooler? Representing South Philadelphia, Tony the Tornado, <laughs> or representing Glenside, PA? <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, no so, comparison. Yeah. So now, uh, as you guys know, I work in Center City, Philadelphia now, and you know I wasn't really that happy about it when we first got moved there a couple months ago. But and that was for other reasons I'm not even going to really bring up tonight. But um, I've been adjusting to it. I'm, I still have my ups and downs. Well, about a week ago, I was out for a walk with a coworker. It was a nice day, and I wanted to get out because, you know, my lunchtime, not a lot of people have lunch at that time. So um, we don't have a cafeteria. So we have, like, an atrium, but nobody sits down there. A lot of people walk, but I don't know where to go. So the one day, one of my coworkers, let's just go walk randomly. So I did, and I came up to um, the one main highway. It's called the Schuylkill Expressway. First of all, you guys can't even spell Schuylkill. I'm from the city. I can't even spell spell Schuylkill. And Expressway, please. In maybe the Schuylkill parking lot, maybe. Um, but we came to the Schuylkill, and I was looking down at the river and everything, and I was like, oh, man, I was, um, so I remember taking this road so many times, going down to the gym. You know, we'd go down, we'd turn off South Street and um, go down a couple blocks, and we'd turn down, I'm sitting there thinking. I'm like, you know, I walked basically um, for East or West parallel one of the ways I, i'm bad with direction but i only walked five blocks and i got to the scruple well i'm like if i walked five blocks that way and got to the scruple and i'm on 19th street i only got to walk two blocks the other way to get me to 17th and then i started looking at the map and i'm like boy fitzwater don't seem that far so i asked my boss who you know he's a he's a south philly irishman He's the Irish from South Philly now. <laughs> he has his uh, whiskey and potatoes. So I asked him, I said, you know, how far is Fitzwater? He's like about six, seven blocks. I'm like, well, shit, I can do that. So the one day I was like, you know, I'm just going to take a shuttle down there and there and lunch. And I got there in 13 minutes. But I walked fast and I'm weaving inside and outside of people. And I get down there and I'm sweating a little bit. Oh, the boxing gym don't open until one. God damn it. Hmm. Okay, that's fine. I go back, and um, so I traded lunch with somebody today, and I said, you know, I'm going down at 1, they're like, and 1 o'clock, they're like, you better go, because you've got to be back here at 2. I said, listen, you're talking to the tornado here. I'll be back. So I'm moving down to the gym, and I would alternate between walking and running. I, you know, almost got hit by a car, almost got run over by somebody on a bicycle. But I'm weaving inside and out of people that are just walking and looking at their phones. I'm like, I don't do that. You know, I'm, I'm looking like Barry Sanders making cuts. Spinning and everything, <laughs> spraying my ankle, jumping off the curb. But I get down there, and there was a couple guys there that I finally got there. But I walked in the gym that I have not been in in 13 years, maybe. 
And I just walked in and I just looked around, man. I was like, well, first of all, I couldn't find my picture on the wall anymore. And somebody's going to have hell to pay over this. <laughs> but I was standing in there and I was talking to the one guy. I never met him before. He just started coming in there a few years ago, but he knows all the guys that I know. And we were talking and I was like, my dad hung those heavy bags. And I was like, man, I remember when he actually cut the hole in the ceiling to, because they were trying to hang them to the roof or the ceiling, and there was nothing bracing them. The things were falling down. And my dad actually cut the hole in the ceiling, and he bolted like a joist to the pipes to hang the heavy bags. I'm like, wow, I remember when he did that. Boy, I remember these mirrors where I used to shadow box. There's the ring. I'm like, I want to look at the canvas, see if I can see my old blood stains. Um, and then, you know, I was looking, oh, yeah, there's where I used to jump rope. And then years ago, I brought a truck tire there. And my truck tire, a lot of people now, one of the trendy things to do is to hit the truck tires with a um, sledgehammer. And that's all well and good. Or, or other people pick the truck tires up and they flip them over. And that's all well and good, too. But what I used to do with it, and this comes from Dr. Cox, who took this from the Cuban team when he used to go down there. The Cuban amateur team who wins, um, you know, gold medals every Olympics, what they would do with their boxers is for 30 minutes straight, lay the truck tire flat, get on there, and just bounce on it. Do the Ali shuffle on it. Just bounce and bounce and shadow box, jump back and forth laterally, Ali shuffle, and just keep going. Doing it three minutes at a time for a round is a workout. These guys will do it for 30, 40 minutes at a time. But the thing is, when you get in the ring, that's what keeps your legs strong. So you don't lose your legs. So your legs don't get tired. And if you're, especially if you're in a soft ring and that's really wearing your legs out, this is what keeps them conditioned to fight in that. Another good thing would be, you know, it was like people say running, running on a beach, running in sand because of that resistance. The same thing with bouncing on the truck tire. I saw that there. That I'm like, well, I remember we brought this here 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so much nostalgia in a 20-minute visit. And then I came back to the office, and I was sweating like a beast. I purposely wore a black shirt today. I wore my black shirt and my tornado tie. Um, so, so I wouldn't be like looking all drenched from the armpits and everything. And the one girl gave me a fan. She goes, she goes you're dripping all over the place. Mm-hmm. But it was great. It was hey, great to be there. I did my first 5K last Sunday. I saw that. That's awesome. I didn't even know I was going to even be in the top 10. I was like, you know, I'm going to run it, but not expecting anything. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm in the rabbit pack for the first block and a half. And I could see the guy that was leading it for probably almost the first three quarters of a mile till we got to the first serious hill. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, some teenagers passed me and stuff like that. And uh, there was, like, one one guy that was about my age that uh, had a team farm team or something shirt on on the back. Or, so he was part of some team, I guess. And uh, he pretty much led it the whole way, as far as I know. And then there was another guy that you could tell he had the runner shorts on and everything. But I made the stupid decision to do it with a hoodie on. And then a long sleeve shirt over the hoodie that was the race shirt. <laughs> so even if I wanted to run faster, at one point I was just like, oh, man, I'm like an oven already. I just got to pace myself in here. But, uh, yeah, I was fourth coming around the first turn and then got into third. And then 
after that a few people passed me I ended up coming in eighth place overall it was probably like 50 people doing it mm, good job eight minute mile, yeah, basically yeah. average a little, little short of an eight minute mile and that's after not running that much in like at least two years at one clip you know that's th over three miles <laughs> Uh, even when I'm doing regular everyday runs around here, I've done maybe like a mile and a half at a time. So the last time I ran that kind of shit regularly was when I was at VMI in 1998. So unbelievable. It's just, uh, it shows you though. It's just all in the mind, you know, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't, I only, I only felt like I was going to puke once and I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool. There was a lot of hills. Rumford is nothing it, it, to fuck with. And, and those little 5Ks can give you a lot of respect for the people that do the full ones. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even even the half marathons would would be challenging. Yeah. And um, a couple brothers actually did it, and uh, both of them came in behind me. And this kid was literally half my size, and he came in right behind me. I was just like, wow, so you're the one who was chasing me the whole time. <laughs> but I was like, wow, that's that's pretty awesome that he beat his older brother, too. Came in right behind me, and his older brother came in like about five minutes later. <clears throat> I was like, that's cool. Good to see some kids getting involved in stuff like that and running. <clears throat> but, yeah, I'm not going to quit my day job, though, and my day training, trying, trying to get this MMA fight. Next uh, week... Next Tuesday, I'm going to start training up in Rumford again at the actual MMA gym. And uh, my buddy, uh, Mike Hansen, didn't have a good uh, heavyweight debut <laughs> against his uh, behemoth wrestler there. He got TKO'd in the first round. Uh, he got one flurry in, and then uh, the big guy took him down, TKO'd him. So probably uh, going to be working give, with uh, hands. He was giving away a lot of weight, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't surprised, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, I hope they don't do that to him again. <laughs> that's that's kind of a lot to ask a guy like that uh, who's been around to go and uh, be this kid's pro debut, giving him all that weight on top of it. <clears throat> so the two wrestlers ended up in a slugfest. Who would have figured, right? <laughs> But we'll be back up there working on the hands next week for sure. And we'll be talking about uh, UFC unboxing next week on the show. We'll definitely uh, work on getting a guest. It's been like three weeks at least. Jeez. Uh, I've been knocking trees down, doing push-ups. Too busy. Doing uh, oh yeah, I accept your challenge, by the way. Um, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to do work again with my wrist, so I'm starting to feel a lot better on that. I'll definitely accept your challenge. Awesome. Yeah, it was just something that I was just like, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. And then now that I'm doing it, I'm like trying to outdo myself every day, get a better view or, you know, a better situation. One of these days, I've got such a maze of logs down the street in the field that I'm working. Once you get over the stone wall, it goes down like a 45 degree angle. So there's all these pine logs laying on top of each other. I'm going to set up like an obstacle course and I'm going to run from the very bottom of the hill over like 18 logs and then do my push-ups at the top <laughs> that'll be some good training yeah everybody uh everybody in my firewood business is not allowed to help me anymore either every time uh, i ask somebody for help they're supposed to say no no dude you're in training 
That's right. <laughs> well, well out. you know, Rich, that sounds like some old school stuff, and the old school stuff works. It does, yeah. I'll tell you, for takedown well, defense, there's nothing better than the field I'm working in right now because you've got <laughs> fucking trees down, branches everywhere. Mm -hmm. you got vines like you wouldn't believe trying to choke you out and pull you down. Uh, thorn bushes. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's a minefield, literally, without explosions. <laughs> so just staying on my feet without f falling face first into something all day is, is quite a miracle. I lost about five pounds today just on that one hillside, cutting trees down. Unbelievable. All right, guys. That's all she wrote for tonight. Until next week. Adios. Thanks all for right. stopping by. Hasta la vista, baby, and from South Philly, Tony. South Philly, Tony. All right. Rabble, Rosin, Rich. Later. Signing off. Later. Psychic Tom, I'm going to use the pendulum trick. <laughs>